welcome to another episode of Mornings with Marla. I'm here today to share um, some stuff with you that I've shared before, but it's back by popular demand. Um, I just wanted to go into a little bit of microdosing again, um, just because I've been getting so many questions about it. And I've been on the microdosing journey now since end of March. So like April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, nine months, nine and a half months. Um, and it's been just an, an absolute game changer for me um, with my anxiety and depression. I actually, during the election <laughs> um, week, my anxiety was like out of control and definitely like external circumstances. And, you know, people are like, oh, don't let that bother you, blah, blah, blah. But it was bothering me a lot and it was stressful and it kind of determined <laughs> the state of our the United States and <laughs> what was going to happen with the next presidency. And I feel like it does directly affect the people who are in tune with it, um, the collective energy and all of that. So I was just kind of like struggling through that week pretty badly. Um, and so, yeah, besides that, though, and since then, um, I'm really happy to say I haven't had a really bad bout of anxiety for a while. And I really think it is um, the combination of like herbs and tinctures and stuff I take in the morning and then also my microdosing. Um, so I, I've just been talking to people a lot about anxiety and, um, depression and it is linked and anxiety can cause depression and depression can cause anxiety. They kind of go hand in hand. They feel very different. Um, but they work with each other in some very beastly ways. And so I discovered microdosing from um, a couple podcasts. And then there's this really amazing Reddit page. It's like r slash microdosing. I found a lot of information on there. Um, and what I do is, and this is what I figured out that's best for my body. And everyone's going to be a little different. Everyone needs a little bit um different dosages. So it's something it took me a few months to play around with to figure out what really, really worked best for me and my body. And like I said, everyone's different. So this is just like my journey and my story. Um, but I take um, probably you take either 0.01 or 0.02 grams or in that vicinity. Um, so a really, really small dose. And before I get into how I dose, I just want to say there's this huge misconception around microdosing because <laughs> a lot of people classify microdosing as taking small amounts of um, psychedelics. Um, so like LSD or mushrooms or something like that. And their microdose is going to be like a little bit less than what your average dose is. Um, for mushrooms, a lot of people say that, you know, an eighth of mushrooms is going to be your, <laughs> your trip dose. So that, so like, let's say you took like a gram of mushrooms then some people would consider that a microdose or with LSD, it's like you took a quarter tab or a half tab. Um, some people call that a microdose, but you do definitely get hallucinogenic effects from taking that amount of a psychedelic. Um, with psychedelics, if you've never taken them before, um, I don't, I, I don't see any problem with microdosing because when you microdose, it is not giving you any sort of hallucination or psychedelic effects. Um, you should feel 
pretty close to normal. Um, I feel sometimes a little bit more energized or a little bit more positive or a little bit more connected to nature, but there's never a noticeable effect of where I couldn't drive or I couldn't go to work or something like that. So this is not, I'm not speaking on microdosing in terms of having a small psychedelic effect from um, a psychedelic uh, in general. I'm talking about microdosing in the sense of using it as medicine. And um, I've talked to a lot of people where they're like, okay, I've never taken psychedelics before. I don't know if I want to embark on that journey because A, if you have any sort of um, like mental disorder where you're like bipolar or schizophrenia schizophrenia is in your family or um, you know, you're on antidepressants or you're on antipsychotics, I don't recommend microdosing. Um, I don't recommend taking psychedelics in general. Um, I don't think psychedelics are for everyone. I really think um, you have to have a deep appreciation for them and uh, respect the shit out of them because um, taking psychedelics can really throw you down a, a rabbit hole, a mental rabbit hole. And if you're not mentally strong enough to handle where the psychedelic will guide you, I don't recommend taking them because um, you have to be in a really good mental state to be able to enjoy um, a trip or a journey or an adventure and um, really benefit from it rather than taking it when you're not mentally prepared um, and you're not respecting um, the psychedelic. <laughs> um, it can take you down into a really scary, dark place um, and it can really mess you up mentally for a while. And they do say, you know, there's no bad trip, which I kind of agree with because um especially in terms of ayahuasca, like plant medicine, um, it's not going to give you something you can't handle, but it is, um, it is a mental journey and it is scary sometimes. And I can go into my journey with ayahuasca a little bit as well. Um, it's something that, yeah, I guess I'll just tell you about this. Um, <laughs> so I did ayahuasca probably three years ago now. I went to Guatemala <laughs> um, to a plant medicine retreat center um, in Lake Atitlan. It was freaking beautiful. I was off the grid for five days, no cell service, no electricity, nothing. Like literally you had to bring a watch that had an alarm on it so you could wake up for yoga in the morning. Um, and I went in not knowing ayahuasca was part of this journey because I didn't really like blatantly say that on the website when I signed up. Um, and then I get there and I'm like, oh, this is what's happening. I don't know if I'm ready for this, um, but there was no pressure put on me. There's no pressure put on anyone to um, take the medicine during the ceremony. And wow, it's, it's literally impacted my life in such a positive way for three years now and has changed my outlook on so many different things. Um, so what we did was um, we ate mostly vegan, really healthy, um, home-cooked meals. Um, we were kind of cleansing through the first day or two. And we did peyote one day and we did wakachuma another day. And um, 
there was some rape, um, which is like tobacco being blown up the nose. Um, it was all, <laughs> all very different, all very magical <clears throat> um, pieces of this uh, experience. And I, going into the ayahuasca ceremony, I was obviously really nervous because I heard, I've researched a lot about ayahuasca. It was really in my radar. I really wanted to experience this medicine um, for myself. I just didn't know this was going to be the day. <laughs> um, so it was a group of probably 20 people, I would say. And it was a lot of intention setting, prayer, journaling, really, really diving deep into um, the spiritual realm of just like connecting with mother nature. We did a fire ceremony that was absolutely beautiful. Um, at first I was kind of like, oh boy, I don't know if I can like tap into this part of myself and like really get down with all this spiritual stuff. Um, and after the first day, it was just pure magic. The connections I met there with the people are just some lifelong friendships that I will always have and always hold. And um, the shares that everyone had and the experiences everyone went through it was just absolutely beautiful. But um, so ceremony night, we um, fasted for the day. I think we had breakfast with just fruit um, because you can purge during an ayahuasca ceremony. And um, everyone got in this beautiful yoga room. It was set up tucked on the side of the mountain and you could literally see um, the volcanoes. Some of them were a little bit active. So you could see the volcano kind of smoking in the distance. The lake was right below us. Um, the sunsets and sunrises were just insane. And it, it, I mean, we, <laughs> the, the toilets were composting toilets. So you just literally like there were two holes in the bathroom and they would use like one side and like after you pooped or peed, you just take a little bit of sawdust and put the shavings over it. And then they would shut that side and move to the other side after like a couple of weeks or something like that. Um, and I just remember like taking my morning shit, looking at this view. So I'm sitting in this like little shack thing um, on the tucked it on the side of the mountain, overlooking the sunrise, this these beautiful volcanoes, this lake. It was just Mm, I miss it. It was actually, actually, it was almost exactly um, a week ago on this date. So perfect timing for this podcast, I guess. Um, so anyway, we sit, so the day of ceremony, we um, rubbed ourselves in plant matter. So like we had eucalyptus and rosemary all steeped in warm water. And we all went out and kind of rubbed this plant matter on our bodies. And then um, ayahuasca loves um, nature and being connected with nature. So we were encouraged to keep this plant matter on us, um, through ceremony. And then, um, the night came, I think it was like seven or eight o'clock. We all met in this, um, little yoga shala, uh, got in a circle and my intentions were very heavy. I rewrote my intentions over and over and over again and said them out loud and prayed with them. And I was just asking for a gentle experience and um, to feel unconditional love. <clears throat> and I actually have journal entries. I don't have them with me right now. I could have grabbed those, but didn't know this is where this was going to go. Um, and so I held those intentions really um really closely to my heart. And I, I, I knew I was going to be humbled and brought to my knees by this medicine. And, um, so I went in with an open mind 
And someone gave me the advice beforehand that was just, um, don't fight the medicine. The more you fight it, the more it's going to come on even harder. Um, so everyone, you know, went up, took their turn. We sipped the ayahuasca, went back and sat down and I am really sensitive to psychedelics, like extremely. And this will play into, um, the microdosing part too. Um, (laughs) so apparently people went up for second rounds and I wasn't even aware. Like I wasn't even conscious in, in this reality at that point. Um, so it, it took over my body pretty immediately where I sipped it, I sat down and then I felt it crawl up from my toes through my entire body. Um, and I just laid back and I was like, okay, we're not fighting this at first. I just remember it hitting me and being like, Oh no, Oh no, 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 no. I don't want to do this. This is like, this is like taking 10 hits of acid at least. Like this is not what I expected at all. Um, and everyone has a really different experience. So it was like my roommate, she was totally conscious and coherent. She was walking around, she was interacting with nature and the stars and had a a very different experience than I did. Um, but what I did was felt this take over my body and I just laid back and I curled up in a fetal position and I was in the fetal position for probably six hours straight. Um, I, Oh God, I just remember laying down and it it started to overtake. And, and at first I was like, no, I don't want this. And then I was like, okay, well you're here. Like, let's lean in. Don't fight this. And it comes in waves for me anyway. So the first wave washed over me and um, I can, you can communicate with um, the grandmother, Ayahuasca. Um, and she's kind of a stern, strict grandmother, but she's also very loving and nurturing. And um, I just remember it coming on really intensely and just and, and speaking to her and being like, hey, can you please back off a little bit? I'm not fully ready yet. And I just remember the rush of it coming away and then and then her responding to me like, yes, um, I'll back off for a moment, but just know when I come back, it's going to come back stronger. And so it went through this wave process for a few hours of just like intense um visuals and realizations about life and, and the world and this connection to the metaphysical and the physical and what reality we're living in and what reality is really out there. Um, and, and I just, because of the question of, I want to know what unconditional love feels like. I don't know if I've ever felt unconditionally loved in my entire life. And, um, through this process, I remember, having this vision of um, my heart is filled with kind of like, like this coal, like this fuel for this fire. And when I had this moment of realization, my hands started, they like fired up and started to tingle. Like it felt like it wasn't like painful. I just like, they felt warm and on fire. Like, okay, I need to do something in this world with my hands. And I remember um, Mama Aya telling me like, unconditional love is within you. You unconditionally love yourself and keep fueling this fire you have in your heart and keep giving out all of this unconditional love that you have to give. And that's how your cup is going to be full is by you pouring love into the world. And then therefore it will be reciprocated and come back. And that's how your, that's, that's your purpose is giving out unconditional love in order to fill your cup. Um, And it was just such a beautiful realization of, I hold unconditional love within me and I hold unconditional love for myself. And like, that is where unconditional love comes from. 
it doesn't have to come from an external source. You don't have to be unconditionally loved by anyone else but yourself. And that is enough. Um, and I remember like towards, you know, a couple hours in when I could open my eyes and stuff, um, just looking at our facilitators and the space they were holding, it looked like a nativity scene. Like they were just, pl- they played music and sang for hours and kept walking around and checking on people. Um, and at this point, this was three years ago. So I was still dealing with my eating disorder a little bit and, um, I didn't end up purging or throwing up during the ceremony because I was slightly excited by the fact that I was going to get to purge and like get all of this out of my body and potentially get skinnier from it, which is sick. I know, but I was sick (laughs) mentally at that time. Um, So I didn't end up purging because I know ayahuasca knew that is not what I needed at the time. Like that was not going to purge out the bad. That was me like wanting to release. So, um, I, a lot of people in the room did purge and I've heard that it, it feels like you're literally purging out all this negativity in your body. Um, And yeah, so there was a baby in the room. One of the facilitators just had a baby. So like that brought this gentle, calm, nurturing energy to the room and the baby, you could just kind of hear cooing throughout the night. Um, They, (laughs) the music they were playing was just incredible. And I remember opening my eyes and I could see like six different layers of sacred geometry within the room coming to the facilitators and they were just holding space in the most beautiful, loving way I have ever witnessed in my life. Um, I remember laying there and just my purge came out because you can, you can purge through the mouth. You can, you can have to poop. Like there's a lot of different purging aspects. Sometimes you get really cold and shivery. Sometimes you cry. Sometimes you laugh. There's like a lot of different ways you can release this stagnant energy within your body. Um, for me, it was, I got really cold, which is like my worst. I hate being cold. I'm actually freezing right now. I can't feel my toes. I'm always cold. (laughs) Um, and so what happened to me is I got really cold and just like started shivering and, um, we were outside and it wasn't like, a little bit of an enclosed room, but not fully enclosed. So I was just trying to like bundle up in my jacket and my blankets as much as possible. But that was my body purging this negative energy, this stagnant energy. Um, and I just remember like being like, look, opening my eyes and being like, okay, I could really use some water right now. And my water was like six inches from my hand. And I was like, trying to get my hand to reach my water bottle, let alone open it to take a sip. Um, I remember like just soaring through the cosmos when my eyes were closed. And um, there was one point, it's all kind of coming back to me now. It's been a little bit. That's why I need to go revisit the journal. It's really important to have a journal during ceremony um, uh, after to write things down while they're fresh in your mind. But um <clears throat> I remember hearing (laughs) these little green men in my brain and they were going, and I was like, can you please be quiet? Like I can hear you. I really can hear you. You don't need to be this loud. And instantly when I asked that question, like, can you please be quiet? It ceased, but I swear, and this might sound a little 
weird or out there or whatever, but I swear they were doing brain surgery on me. Like I could feel them doing brain surgery and making sure my brain was rewired correctly and doing um, the appropriate positive (laughs) thought process that I needed a little recalibration on. So I feel like not only did it recalibrate my mind in this physical sense, because I felt them doing brain surgery on me, um, but it recalibrated my entire being. And ayahuasca isn't this beautiful cakewalk all the time. I would say it's going to throw you a wave of something that you need to deal with that needs to come up in your life. And then it, it brings it back into this glory beauty, like it's just so hard to explain. Um, it's also 11, 11 right now. Um, and so I, I don't, it just, it was transformational and I, it's something I would like to do maybe once every two years, just to kind of like reboot my system and re feel connected with nature. Um, kind of, it helps with depression and anxiety. Now you cannot do ayahuasca if you are on antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication, you have to have um, a clean system because you can get serotonin syndrome where um, too much serotonin releases in your brain. And there have been cases of people who have died. Um, so caution around that. This is not something just to fuck with. This is not something to bring into your living room and be like, okay, I'm going to go on an ayahuasca journey. This is something you need an experienced shaman to be providing you. You need to know where it's sourced. You need to be in a safe comfortable space. You need to have people there who know what they're doing so they can guide you on this journey. Um, It's becoming more and more mainstream now. And I mean, people, shamans have been working with this medicine for generations. um, And all of a sudden it's becoming something this Western world wants to do, of course, because we take all of these cultural things and appropriate them in our own way and kind of take away the goodness um, and the medicine and the healing aspect of them. And then people get their hands on them and they proclaim that they can, they can give this medicine. And it's just not, this is something to take extremely seriously, um, and do your research and find someone who aligns with your values and is going to give you the medicine in the way that feels best for you. I know, um, you can go to Peru and do it, And shamans there, Um, I've heard different stories where it's like they're literally beating a drum over you and trying to beat out this negativity negativity, and it's like in the middle of a jungle and it was a lot different of a situation for me. Um, And that's because I need things to be a lot more gentle and held and loving. Um, And that's exactly what I found at the yoga forest um, through this ceremony. Um, I remember coming back to, cause you slowly come back to, I think I would say the journey lasts about six to eight hours. Um, and coming back to, and just crying and out of just like pure love and ecstasy and just like this realization of this connection that I have never felt before. And this, um, almost this, this feeling of, what lies on the other side of death? And is that it? Um, And tapping into this other realm of just literally unconditional love and feeling held. And, you you know, when we were asked to try and be engaged within the circle the whole time and not try and turn away. Um, And at times, definitely that was hard. Like I said, I was in the fetal position for most of the time, but 
Once I was able to sit up and join in on the song and slowly everyone started sitting up um, and just watching the sunrise together. And um, we, I think we did a water ceremony at the end and we were all up then till probably like seven or eight in the morning and then went back to our um, little cottage things, (laughs) these little beautiful homes tucked in the side of the mountain. Um, little cabins and um, just the look on everyone's face from the night before to the morning is just, it's it's such a beautiful thing to witness and see everyone kind of working through whatever their intentions were, whatever they were asking to receive from the medicine. And then um, the next day being able to be in circle and share all of our experiences. And, you know, a lot of people were there that have never, done psychedelics before and they just kind of jumped in and just to see the transformation within them and um, the realizations that they had. And I don't think this is a medicine that should be done, you know, every single week. (laughs) Um, I think it's a medicine to be used when really needed and um, when maybe something's pivoting in your life or you have a really big question or you really need to release something or you really need to work on forgiveness or you're really facing off with mortality. And um, yeah, it's just, yeah, I would do it again for sure. at first I was like, okay, I definitely am going to take a year off of this, maybe next year, but um, the medicine will come to you when you're ready and the opportunity will present itself when you're ready. And um, yeah, so it's like not something to force. It's something to really contemplate and consider beforehand and be really solid within what you're looking to receive out of it. Um but it it's changed many lives. And again, it's not for everyone because it will um, take your truth for what reality is and it will flip it upside down. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's absolutely the most beautiful experience. So I guess that kind of went off on a tangent, but um, but yeah, for I think psychedelics have so much healing power. Um, I think if used correctly and as a medicinal way, um, I know they're used for recreation as well, which I, I don't think is bad. I think if you, you're at a music festival and you want to tap into that energy, like what's there's no issue with that. I think having strong intentions before you take it, no matter if it is recreational or um, for medicine is really important. Um, I know they're doing a lot of research around LSD and mushrooms and ayahuasca and things like that and how they can help with terminally ill patients, how they can help. Oh, there's also... Um, mean they're using too for to treat depression. Um, so there's a lot of beautiful things that we can gain from psychedelics that I think they're looked and frowned upon so much. Um, I think they're looked at as like <clears throat> this crazy drug that people take and lose their minds and eat people and hurt people and jump out of windows and lose it, like just lose complete sense of who they are or have complete ego deaths. Um, but I really think they have a lot of healing properties to them if used correctly in proper 
messages with the right intentions. <clears throat> so even if I am recreationally taking a psychedelic, I am always holding it in my hand, holding it up to my heart, setting intentions with it before I take it. Um, and I find that when I do that versus when I don't do that is a very different experience. Um, a lot of people who microdose will do heroic doses, they'll call them, um, you know, twice a year, once a month, something like that, um, in conjunction with their microdosing. <clears throat> Um, which they find really beneficial. That's not something I do right now. Um, but it, the healing properties that these things have is so pure and, and great with minimal side effects, um, that I don't understand why we're not researching and providing them more. <clears throat> and maybe I'm very progressive. Well, I am very progressive in my thought process. Um, but the way, like if you do some research about psychedelics and um, studies and stuff like that, the way these are helping people is pretty freaking incredible. And you go, and I know I've talked a lot about being on antidepressants, but you go look at antidepressants and it's like, you have no sex drive. You either gain weight or you lose weight. Your sleep might be affected. Your mood might be affected. You feel like a robot. You can't get super happy or super sad. You're just on one even line. So you almost feel like a shell of yourself. Um, and to me, sex is really important or like a healthy masturbation practice or um healthy sexual practice in general is so important for our minds and our well-being um, that when you have zero drive to be the sexual creature you are, I think this can lead to even more depression or more mental health issues. So taking these antidepressants that doctors really don't know what the fuck they're doing, they just know they kind of work, um, and a lot of the, I don't know the percentage, but I know a, a huge amount of the population is on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. It's like, could, wouldn't you rather switch that to be able to provide someone something that literally grows in the ground that we can properly dose that doesn't have any of these side effects? It doesn't, it has, for me anyway, no side effects. Like I have no repercussions from it. If I stopped taking it, I know I've went into this too, but when I stopped taking my antidepressants, I was getting brain zaps. My lip was starting to tingle. My tongue was starting to tingle to the point where I was like, okay, am I going to have a stroke? Um, <clears throat> and it's just, it would be if I missed my dosage by an hour. And it's just like, how can this small little pill have such a ginormous effect on your brain and <laughs> your body? And like, I don't want to be taking this shit anymore. So I really started to dive more into looking at microdosing when that those side effects really started affecting my life and my relationship. Um, and yes, it helped. It was a really good Band-Aid. It helped for the first three months I was on it. I was like, wow, I really needed this. I was falling really deep into depression. I was really suicidal. Like all of these things, I was deep in the trenches. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I feel so blessed and so thankful that I have found microdosing for myself. And like I said, I microdose mushrooms there. You can microdose acid. I think it's a little bit, or LSD. I think it's a little bit harder to get the appropriate dosages, um, with LSD because it is so potent in such a small amount. And with, um, just like one tab of acid, I think that would be like 10 microdoses. So imagine cutting that into 10 pieces evenly. <laughs> um, if you've ever done LSD, you know what a, a tab looks like. 
Um, so for me, microdosing, I started with a full capsule, which was like 0.02 grams. And I was taking it, um, on Reddit. I found like people would do three days in a row, four days off, four days in a row, three days off, or they would do every other day or two days on one day off. And there are all these different people doing all these different things because there's not enough research right now allowed around it to really get a full, scope an idea of what is the best course of medicine for yourself. Um, so what I found for myself, because I am extremely sensitive to psychedelics, um, is I take 0.01 grams every other day. Um, so recently it's looked like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then I'll skip the weekend, or it looked like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. If I forget a day or something like that, like it kind of switches my every other dayness. but for the most part, every other day has been perfect for me. Um, I combine my microdose. I take lion's mane every single morning. Um, lion's mane is a really great, um, it works really well with mushrooms or with medicinal mushrooms, um, to help (laughs) your brain. Um, lion's mane has been insane for me. I am just like so obsessed with mushrooms. I think they have like, go listen to Joe Rogan's podcast about, um, mushrooms with Paul stamens. I think it is stamens. Um, it'll blow your freaking mind. Um, there's two of them. They're both excellent. I think the newest one is the one that's my favorite, but that I learned a lot of stuff about, um, on that episode, they talk about mixing niacin with, um, your microdose to help it activate better. Um, lion's mane, I had the hardest time remembering people's names for my whole life. Like it was like, hi, I'm Marla. Hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. In one ear out the other one, like, oh, your name's gone in five seconds kind of thing. Um, It took me like 15 times of meeting someone to actually remember their names. And it's really horror, super horrible. In college, I would meet all these people out partying and then they'd run up to me, you know, a couple days later and be like, Marla, how you doing? And I'd be like, um... I don't remember your name. How do you remember mine? Um, but through taking lines, I mean, I, and, and this could be something else completely different, but this is the noticeable change I've had is I remember names and it's insane. Um, I feel more on point. I feel more energized. I feel more focused. I, this is what microdosing does for me. It takes an emotion. So like, let's say you're feeling really overwhelmed and stressed And it takes that and allows you to see it from more of an outside perspective of like, yes, okay, I'm feeling these emotions. This is probably what's triggering this. And this is what I need to do to fix it rather than having those emotions completely consume you. So sometimes when I'm frantic or manic or something like that, I'm feeling very consumed by my emotions and my whole being is running off of um, that consumption of that one emotion. One, I take my microdoses regularly and am on top of doing the regiment that I've set up for myself, I'm able to see myself going through that manic motion of life. And I'm able to remove myself from that emotion in order to see it from the outside and better be able to um, bring in more self-awareness to be able to take that emotion and, and pick it apart a little bit and be like, okay, this is the solution or like, this is why, or it's just seems like it's not like taking over my soul. It's more of this awareness that I have that I'm going through this process and it allows me to 
engage with it and play with it a little bit more. Um, like I said, my anxiety has been so much better. Um, I had (laughs) the, uh, yeah, this is really personal, but okay. So, um, when I was really depressed and having suicidal thoughts, I would go down these rabbit holes of, which is pretty common or, um, around depressed and anxiety ridden patients, but like you're driving your car and you just imagine you turning off the cliff. Um, you're doing something and you just imagine like, okay, it'd be really great to die right now. Somehow, um, you're having these thoughts of like, why, what is my worth here? What is my purpose here? The planet doesn't need me anymore. Like this is too painful. Um, so those are like some depressive thoughts that I would you know, rabbit hole down or, um, where you kind of daydream and you just kind of like are fixated on something, but you're not really seeing what's in front of you. You're just kind of having this almost dream. Um, a lot of that would be revolving around death and like my death and how much better I would feel if that happened. Um, and, I'd say about a month or two ago, I had this huge realization and I might've touched on this in the podcast already, but I'll repeat myself. Um, I was thinking about sound healing and um, cause I've been thinking about how to incorporate that into the death realm and um, incorporating that into patients as they pass, if they would want sound healings while that were, were to happen. And um, they say that and I'm pretty sure like human euthanasia is starting to become legalized in a couple different states or at least counties. I know in Colorado or maybe just Boulder, um, people who are on like, you know, they're on hospice, their, their time is coming. There's no way of turning it around. They can pick their death date so that, um, their family can be there and then they're not suffering into literally a 50 pound oblivion, you know, where they're like, um, just, being supported by meds until they die. It's like not, why would you want to go out and have your family see you that way? So, um, working with that kind of company would be super cool for me where, um, I could go in with my bowls and, and really be respectful and, and that kind of thing. So anyway, this got me thinking about when someone is sick in the hospital, if you want them to stay on the earthly realm or on this plane, you're supposed to grab their ankles and you can do like Reiki through that or just energy work in general or just massaging their feet and their ankles. And that's supposed to pull them back. Um, if they are wanting to pass over more easily, you are supposed to do that energy work or just holding their head. Um, and I had this vision of me being in a hospital bed <laughs> um, and what I would want in that moment. And my thought went right to I would want someone to grab my feet so that I could stay on this earthly realm and like live my life. And that was this like light bulb went off in my head of just, oh, wow, I want to live. Like this is an amazing feeling. And um, yeah, it's something I've never, like usually when I spiral into those thoughts of like, okay, my death, whatever, I'm like, okay with the passing part. And then this time it was a really big realization and a really cool thing of like, no, I would want to stay here. Um, And I really feel that microdosing has brought me to this place in my life with obviously a lot of other um, things that I've 
been doing with myself to make myself feel better. Um, so anyway, my 0.01 grams with my lion's mane, um, every other day I do the microdose every day. I do the lion's mane. Um, I also take L-theanine, which has been a game changer as well. I found that on Reddit too, on an anxiety page. Um, I was taking that in the morning, but I actually found, um, like a magnesium or a melatonin, sorry, melatonin L-theanine blend that I take melatonin and magnesium every night before I go to bed. Um, just because I have a hard time staying asleep and it helps me, um, drift off to sleep. I also clench my jaw at night, which the magnesium helps a lot with muscle relaxation. Um, but the L-theanine was in the melatonin and I was like, interesting, you could take this at night. Um, so now I've been taking it at night. It's supposed to promote just like calm and help with anxiety. Um, reishi mushrooms are also known for, um, it's nature Xanax, they say. So Rishi is supposed to be really helpful with anxiety. Um, I take a B12 stress complex every morning. That's helpful. I take rhodiola every morning, which is supposed to help with brain function. Um, what else? Ashwagandha I take every morning. Also stress and anxiety help. I take my vitamin D's and E's and then a probiotic because a lot of things can stem from the gut that will affect your mental health. Um, so I have tailored <laughs> my life around combating my depression and anxiety to feel the best I possibly can and live the fullest, most happy life I possibly can. Um, because Number one, stress is the number one killer. It causes all sorts of diseases. It shortens your lifespan. So if we can lead a life that's a little bit less stressful in certain ways, then we're <laughs> contributing to our lifespan. Um, so by taking care of myself in these ways, making sure I eat breakfast and the way I force myself to eat breakfast is because I take these herbs and supplements in the morning. And I know I need to have a meal in my belly for them to digest. And eating breakfast is just something that sets my day up for success. I can't skip breakfast or else I overeat during the day and I just feel crabby and off and lethargic. Um, drinking enough water. I drink so much water. I probably drink too much water. Um, but I have like a, I think it's a half gallon hydro flask. I don't know the biggest hydro flasks they have. <laughs> I drink two a day. Everyone's like, don't you pee every like hour? I'm like, well, yeah, but <laughs> I'd rather be hydrated and peeing all the time than feel dehydrated. Um, what else? I try and consume just what I'm hungry for. I, I just watch my portion size or I don't necessarily watch my portion sizes. I just, I'm not like a huge portion type of person because I always feel gross and lethargic after. Um, so just being cautious of, you know, when you're going out to eat, you're going to get a two person meal, like take half home. Um, but don't restrict, don't say I'm never eating French fries or I'm not eating carbs. It's like, just eat them in moderation. Moderation is everything. Um, I get enough sleep at night. So I'm going to bed before 11. Usually I'm in bed by 9.30 or 10, asleep definitely by 11, up at 7, 7.30. So I'm making sure I get good night sleeps. So I'm not out till 2 a.m., you know, partying and then getting up at 6 for work like I was when I was super depressed. Um, yeah, it's just what it's like the question you can ask yourself is what can I do to make my life better and less stressful and therefore help relieve my anxiety and my depression. 
And I totally get, it's not just an external factor. It's also genetics and it's also your brain makeup and the chemicals in your brain and how they're releasing and how they're counteracting with each other and that kind of thing. Um, but I have figured out at my 29th year, <laughs> pretty much how to get my depression and anxiety under control. And I'd say 85% of that has been microdosing. Um, and again, I'm not taking it for psychedelic effects. I'm taking it as medicine. I'm taking it every other day. I don't feel weird. Sometimes I'll get like a little more on edge that day, but I really feel like it's my body's way of pulling emotions up through me and allowing me to see them and, and work through them. So I feel like I'm kind of working through my shadows a little bit um, more and like learning to love them and learning that they are part of me and I love all of me. So why not move in and love your shadows? Um, breath is so important when you're, when you have a lot of anxiety, you're shallow, you're like, <sighs> really shallow breathing. And it's just like, can you set an alarm on your phone maybe three times a day? Like, how is your breath doing right now? Can I take a big inhale and a big exhale? And how much more of my lungs did I just use than I have been the whole day? And even if you can in incorporate that a couple times a day, that's helpful. I think restorative yoga is super helpful too, where you're propped holding poses for three to five minutes, really focusing on your breath and releasing muscles. Um, I think I actually just booked a massage because I was inspired by one of my clients who's getting them weekly now. But um, I think, you know, we're like, oh, well, I really don't have that $120 to get a massage, or I don't really have the money to go see a chiropractor, or I don't have the money to buy myself organic food. But it's like, can you evaluate where in your life you're spending money without thinking about it. Like for me, it's like wine. I'll spend whatever on wine, no matter how much money I have, if I really want wine um, or clothes. I'm like, ah, I don't really have money to go shopping for clothes right now, but I really want some new clothes. Um, and it, it's like, why, <clears throat> how can we take that and, and feel okay about pouring it into our self-care and our body? Um, an example recently is like, I didn't go to the dentist for Ugh, like 10 years. Um, I take really, really good care of my teeth. Like really good. I brush twice a day. I floss in the morning. I tongue scrape. I do coconut oil pulls. Like I was taking phenomenal care of my teeth. So I wasn't worried, but I was putting it off because I didn't want to spend the money on it. Um, but then I went and I have so much mouth work to be done. And it's like, okay, so I could have taken that money that I went and bought something frivolous with and put it into, into my oral hygiene or my, my general overall health. And it's like, how can we prioritize our health and our mental health? And I know it's hard in the U S because we don't have healthcare and a lot of people can't afford to go see a doctor for extreme ailments they have. Cause it's not just a checkup. If you go and you're like, oh, my knee's really, really fucked up. And then they're like, oh, you need this $30,000 surgery. It's like, well, can't do that. Um, so I get it. Like I get how it's hard to put your physical and mental health first in this country and in this world right now. But it's really important to have maybe take $20 a month and put it in account for your general well-being. And like, are you really going to miss? That's $5 a week. That's not getting a Starbucks coffee once a week or not eating out once a month. 
Um, can we take that and put it in an account where this is our mental health, physical health account? This is where we're going to take the funds to be able to treat ourselves. I think massages should be something. And I know I, I hesitate to splurge on massages too, but I think it's like this invaluable thing we can do for ourselves and our bodies to get things moving and aligned and flowing correctly. And I think all of this is really linked between the anxiety, the depression, the physical ailments, the stress, the everything is just globbed in one lump and they all are going to affect each other. So what can you do in your life to make yourself better and feel better because like I always say it's this is our one opportunity and one chance to live a life that we feel is full and fulfilled and joyous and happy and playful and I know I talk about blue a lot but um Deja Blue is her podcast she talks about how like the human condition right now is everything's taken way too seriously and I agree. Everyone is so serious all the time going through the motions of life. And it's like, can you imagine just going through the motions of life and then laying on your deathbed and just being like, oh, whoopsies. Well, I don't remember most of that. I was a robot for most of that. All that money I made, like that didn't mean shit to me. Like I have no relationship with this person and this person. And I fucked that up. And like, that is not something I want in my life. And I'm sure most people don't want that. Um, so what can we do in our daily lives to make ourselves feel better? Um, and I guess I'm going off like this is kind of coming in a loop, I guess. But um, from doing plant medicine, if you feel called to starting a microdosing regimen, if you want to test it out, like this is all an experiment, an experiment on yourself, an experiment with yourself about what feels best. If dancing every morning feels really good for you, do that. If painting feels really good for you, incorporate that more into your life. If cooking feels really good to, for you, cook more for yourself. Um I, I mean, through COVID and quarantine, I really don't eat out that much. And I feel so much better, um, even though I'm eating grilled cheeses for dinner most of the time. You know, it's like I think cooking for yourself really puts this. You see the process. You put the love into the food. Then you put the love into your body. And it, I mean, if your thing is like take a bath, but every single day, find one tiny thing that you can do for just five minutes. That is a self-care thing that shows yourself you love yourself that you can can you hug yourself right now like literally put your arms around yourself and give yourself a big squeeze or when you're feeling emotional or sad or um any of those emotions that are uncomfortable can you hug yourself through it can you see the innocence of the child of you in yourself and hug that can you play more through it like how can you find more giddiness through whatever emotion you're rolling through? Can you laugh at yourself about it? Like, how do we bring more laughter and happiness and play and dance into this world? And I think that has the power to heal is the play and not getting so serious and understanding and being able to recognize when your mind is taking you down a rabbit hole or down to the trenches and understanding that that is just negative thought. And with training and with muscle um, memory, almost it's similar to muscle memory, but with training and consistent thought training, you can take those negative thoughts that are there all the time or 99% of the time and eliminate them to 80% of the time and then 60% of the time and then 50% of the time. And then eventually it gets such, such a small percentage of the negative thought that when they're happening, you can 
hear it and recognize it and push it away or not even push it away, but maybe like recognize it, give it some love and nourishment and, and rechange that thought process into something more positive for yourself. And that's something that microdosing has helped me with as well. And, and like I said, it's not the cure all. It's not like, okay, go get your mushrooms, make your microdoses. Everything's going to be better. I promise. It's not that. And like, I'm not a medical professional. I'm speaking on behalf of my own experience, but, um, but it has helped me see the light and be able to become more self-aware and be able to be better for myself. Not necessarily like I don't strive to be better for other people. I strive to be better for myself so then I can therefore be better for other people and show up better in this world. Um, and my whole thing has been just like the greatest happiness and the greatest amount of good. So with my business right now, it's like my motto has been, I want to be as happy as possible. I want my girls to be as happy as possible. And I want my clients to be as happy as possible. And as long as we're all happy and communication is open and things are flowing, I think that's going to create the best possible environment and allow my business to grow in the most organic, authentic, loving, happy way. Um, and obviously it's not all rainbows, sunshines and unicorns and glitter, but cause there's some shit you have to deal with. But if I can go into that feeling, like how can I bring the greatest amount of happiness to the greatest amount of people? That's where my purpose lies, no matter what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I, I really, really truly believe that mushrooms have the power to heal the world. If I could go that far, um, and not to say that everyone needs to microdose. Like, I'm not trying to push this on you. I've just been having a lot of questions about it. So I wanted to go into a little bit deeper of my experience with it um, and kind of up to date because the microdosing podcast I had was one of my first ones um, a couple of months ago. And it, it's got some of the, of course, orgasms and microdosing would have the most amount of views out of all the episodes of the podcast. Um, so I figured I'd touch back on that again and just talk a little bit more about my experience since I'm a little bit deeper into it. Um yeah. And a lot of people ask me how, well, where do I even get mushrooms from? Um, you can grow your own pretty easily. Actually, there's a whole Reddit page about it. It's called like uncle Ben's rice or something. Um, so the hardest part is finding the spores, but I'm pretty sure there's definitely some way to find them on the interwebs or, you know, phone a friend. Um, <laughs> but once you get the spores, there's a whole outlay of like, what's the first step, second step, third step, there's videos around it. There's a bunch of comments. There's people doing it a little bit differently, what works best for them. Um, and I think the initial investment would probably be less than a hundred dollars, maybe a little bit more. Um, and then you can grow your own and then you're growing your own medicine. So that's a cool process too, which I'm going to start doing soon, I think. Um, but yeah. So it's just, hopefully that was okay to say on here. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully you found some goodness out of this and some knowledge. And um, if you want to learn more or have any more questions, I know a lot of you have reached out to me about the other microdosing podcasts. So please feel free to reach out. Um, I can send you just like what I use, um, how I dose it, like all of the things. Uh, the other part is I kind of went into intentions and um, 
just like putting prayer into any sort of psychedelics you're going to use, um, whether they're going to give you psychedelic effects or not. Um, but I always hold it up to my throat and I either sing to it or hum to it or speak a prayer out into existence. Because if you put your hand right at um, the, the collarbones kind of come down and then you put your hand and go a couple inches up. So it's like right below where an Adam's apple would be or kind of like right around that area. And you hold your fingers there and speak. Do you feel the vibration coming through your fingers? That vibration, <laughs> that energy you can put into um, your microdoses or your psychedelic doses. Um, so I always just kind of put something out there that I want to achieve or put an intention out there or chant a song that I, I just love chanting music. I just lose myself in it. So I'll go along with some chanting music. Um, and I just really put that, that positive, beautiful energy into what I want to cultivate into my day, into the microdose before I take it. And I feel like if you're going to go this route, it's like, okay, you're using this experimental medicine that grows in the ground that we don't know a ton about. Um, so why not hit it from all angles and do, you know, this, you're using this physical product, but why not put in some of the spiritual metaphysical energy work into that as well? So you can hit it from all angles and feel really good about it. And um, maybe it's placebo effect, who the hell knows, but it really works for me. And I think if it works for you, it can be your truth until it isn't your truth anymore. Because everyone knows we all change our mind like every day, if not like every week. So whatever my truth is right now, not promising it's going to be the same in two weeks from now, but, um, but what I've been doing has really, really been working. And I just want to be able to go out there and scream from the rooftops and talk to people who are struggling with anxiety and depression through all of the things I know and all of the tools I've gained and the years of experience I have around this between yoga and sound healing and Reiki and massage and energy work and microdosing and food and herbs and potions and supplements and essential oils. It's like, I could come at you with so much information. You would probably never want to talk to me again about anxiety and depression. But if you're out there and you have anxiety or depression, this lights me the fuck up and I want to help you. Um, so please reach out. I, like I said, in my last podcast, I'm opening up to three more clients for coaching. Um, it's 3:33 a month, uh, four calls. So you get one a week. Um, and we go through everything. I wish I could do these in person because I'm, I'm literally lately, cause I'm working with one of my clients who's was in the ER the other day because he has a really bad anxiety. And I just want to be like, I want to shake him and be like, this is my specialty. Like this, is, can I help you please? But I, you know, you don't want to force yourself on someone. Um, so I've just been dreaming about the ways I could help someone with anxiety that has a shoulder and neck pain and like adjustments I could do in yoga and poses that would be really helpful and props that could be really helpful. So if you want me to help you out with that, <laughs> holla. Um, if not, no big deal. I'm still happy to answer. Um, questions in on Instagram. It's underscore Marmo. Um, love talking about this topic. As you can tell that hour just literally flew by and I sat down not really knowing what I wanted to talk about. Um, I knew I wanted to talk about microdosing, but I sat down and I was like, hmm, I wonder how long this one's going to last. Cause I don't know what I'm going to say at all, but well, there we go. I always, um, sit and uh, ask source to use me as a channel and come through me into the microphone to you um, with hopefully some beneficial and helpful information.
Um, so yeah, I hope you all have a beautiful day. Um, it's been so amazing, you guys. I literally, yet yeah, last week's podcast, it, it releases on Sunday at 12 a.m. Um, I had seven listens by like 1030 in the morning. I was like, who the hell is waking up and listening to mornings with Marla right away? But I fucking love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you all for listening to me sit here and talk about all the things that set my soul on fire. Um, so well, this is another episode 21 of mornings with Marla. And, um, yeah, like I said, reach out if you have any questions. Um, but I hope you have an absolutely amazing day or night or week or weekend, and we will be back next week. Mwah!